Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And this is our podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks thank you. We're back. Uh, Better back than stronger. ever. Yep. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Uh, this is the uh, third best podcast about climate change. In the Sacramento. Currently operating, yeah. Although I did hear Greta Thunberg is starting a podcast. Damn it. <laughs> So <laughs> this is the problem with COVID-19 and so <laughs> many people started podcasts. So get out of our market. <laughs> get out of our market. We were here third. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Uh, how have you been? Another week, another uh, lots of stuff happening. I was, well, I've been on staycation. Yeah. Uh, and I just returned to work today. So I thought I would be more back to work bluesy than I am, but it felt okay. The thing about hate is that it like really clears the mind. <laughs> You know, when you go into some place and you just despise it, it yeah. just, you know, it purges all of the pr- others, all the small things fall away you, <laughs> and you can focus on the, the pure hatred of work. You know how I know I work in a really, really dark environment is that when I came back to work, people were like, we've really missed your like good spirit. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. when we're the bright it's sunshiny bad people. here. It is bad time. Literally today, someone told me like they ran into you and said, yeah, I ran into your brother. He's just such a nice, mellow, easygoing guy. Just like you, you guys. I'm like, we are not nice, <laughs> mellow, easygoing people. You should have seen the two of us when we were playing shuffleboard last week. <laughs> yeah. Knives out. <laughs> when I won at Trivial Pursuit against Derek, we lost we... our minds played the rules wrong and i was shafted by that however you continued the shafting i was also shafted not nearly as long either way we're not going to rehash our trivial pursuit i just need i will challenge you to a game of trivia anytime anyplace i just need everybody to know that i beat you at trivial pursuit and here's the thing derek you take it as me gloating what you should be taking it as as a compliment because there is no planet in which i should have beat you at (laughs) trivial pursuit and that is why i was so proud of it because the audacity. The aud- yeah, you got questions like, Okay, you know, everybody gets What's your easy favorite one. color? You also <laughs> got easy ones, too. You got ones like, who has beards on uh, Mount Rushmore? And your daughter answered it right, and you answered it wrong. So That's everybody true. gets those easy questions. That's true. So today's episode, Corinne. Yes. Uh, we've been taking it real light on the news God. the last couple of months because everything is terrible. But we're getting back to it. It's like... Like everybody else who has to get off their COVID-19 couch and get back to exercising, <laughs> we're going to overdo it, sprain an ankle, and then, you know, get back worse. And then and take several weeks we back off of it again sure. because we sprained our ankle. So we're going to go deep into the news. I do have some good news stories. Lies. Not enough to cover <laughs> all the bad news. It's so you tell three me. three to one? <laughs> Is it three to one? Yeah, it's bad news, bad news, good news, bad news. <laughs> So you tell me when you need a good news story. And as I say, all of the good news pales in comparison to the bad news. So, you know, but it's just a nice little you know, drop of sugar. Sheeter. Helps the medicine go down. Right. Bad so, news me. Are you ready for the news already? We're, we're Not really. What do you, you, you have any updates? Uh, nope. The watermelons are going good in the backyard. Huh? Uh, the brutal heat destroyed... Uh, the lettuce I had out there, ah. I didn't put any shade up over it. Mm. And so it just cooked like it's burnt to hell. Mm. So if I was trying to build that as a survival garden, I failed. Failure. Uh, but you know, we replant back stronger. Right. Better uh, than ever. But yeah, the, the tomatoes are doing good. My tomatoes are good. I'm about to have one actual edible tomato. Nice. It's like turning reddish. <laughs> it's pretty good. Every morning you're going out there checking it. I'm checking it like twice a day. <laughs> 
I gotta say, I'm really lucky tomato plants like the sun and uh, oh, don't mind the overwatering so much. There you go. How's your uh, rosemary? As far as I can tell, it's fine. If it's still green, it's still alive. It's so. got green little needles coming off of it. It just doesn't. It just looks exactly the same. Then that's good. <laughs> if it doesn't look drier or browner or deader, no, it's then... definitely green. But it literally looks like okay. You legitimately cut a stick of it off and shoved it in a pot of dirt. <laughs> And it's what it looks like. I'm telling you, it works. That's how you got your second one. That's I, how I got like half of the rosemary I got like, out there. It just, I feel like people around me are like, she just put a stick in a pot <laughs> and it thinks that Let's that's something. Let's be honest, something. there is no one who has seen this. Well, my backyard, <laughs> I technically share my patio with someone else who doesn't use the patio. And there's another plant person behind me, like our two backyards are back to back. And they have a ton of plants, which I will say look quite wilted. And he should probably t- check his plants twice a day. I'm about to release some... Uh, ladybugs to uh, get rid of the thripits thripits i don't know bugs that are on my tomato plant so that i don't kill the bees although all i'm retracting are wasps Uh, my bees are doing well i did take like a next level beekeeping class last weekend what's a next level well like i had done the introduction beekeeping so this was like uh, intermediate beekeeping what additional things do you need to know know, dealing with fancy bees Uh, (laughs) so you gotta wear a a different a suit with a tie when you go out there now exactly i'm a fancy bee yeah Yeah, okay. Well, no, I got it for I got it for kind of free though because I volunteering always helps with things. Guys, pro tip: volunteer for pro shit. Tip. You know, talking to uh, the guy who's teaching me to be a beekeeper, and he needed some help doing the audio visual for a guy doing his, the Zoom class because it's you know we're not in person. Hmm. So, the master beekeeper who was teaching the class is an older white man who doesn't know how to handle audio visual technical equipment. Fair. I certainly don't. Know sure, how. and so he needed somebody to help him with that and so i was over there basically holding the boom mic you know making sure that people could hear him and putting you know switching his screen from his image to the his powerpoint and back and doing things like that okay but while i was doing that i basically got to take the free class so and also you're like one of those crazy people who can remember everything you see so yeah so it was yeah it was a lot of fun i did that yeah no that's about it nothing really else prepper related now every time i'm at the store i see paper goods they're back in stock toilet paper yeah Um, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago now is the time to stock back up because as we're going to get to when we get into the news COVID 19 has not gone away despite everyone pretending and it's only going to be back stronger it is not trending right now (laughs) yeah so now is the time to find those respirators if you need them find you know anything respirators masks yeah n95 masks Mm. or whatever um like everyone's nowadays has got some of the cloth masks or something Mm -hmm. to get by but if you want the next level masks now you can find possibly a few of those it might be a good idea to stock up on those get your food supply get your water set up quietly and quickly while we're open up because i have a feeling we're going to slam down real real soon what i need to remember is how long the water lasts in a sealed container it's Practic- I mean, water doesn't expire. What happens is you can leach chemicals into it. So if you store it in a cool, dark place, it should be fine basically forever. Okay. It could acquire a bit of a taste if you have it in plastic that like can leach into it and it's hot. That'll do it. Or if you have it sitting on cement, sometimes that'll do it. So putting it on a wood block is probably best and keeping it dark. And at that point, it'll last forever. And the taste doesn't necessarily make it bad. It just has right. a weird taste. Yeah, I've had mine for just about a little over a year, maybe, and I was starting to wonder if uh, I I should replace it or not. But um, I mean, if it comes down to it, I can drink that water. So. Well, you can always cycle through it. So, you know, start drinking from your supply and well, replace. Start it. watering my plants with it. There you go. You do that too. <laughs> um, but it's stuff that I just took from the sink and poured into a 
Yeah, I mean, next level is you collect rainwater on your little patio well, and use that. that's not going to happen. All right, well, next year. You know, you and we got plastic rain. What do I want that for? <laughs> just keep <laughs> building it up. But, yeah, no, I was actually doing th- I've been doing that every time I see meat at the store. I'm kind of like, ooh, that's a decent price. I buy it and I put it in my freezer. My freezer sure. is full. That's good. But it's a tiny freezer. Yeah. Still, anything yeah. helps. So everybody out there, now's the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Because fall is going to be bad, right? That's the whole prediction. It seems like it. I mean, I, I hate, you know, being the doom and gloomer, but it does seem like, I mean, numbers are up. We'll talk about it during the news, but it seems like we just are blowing right past this. Fir- like, we, we opened everything back up outside of New York. The, the first wave wasn't even over in these places that were opening back up over the last couple of weeks. And surprise, surprise, we're seeing the uptick. And again, there's like that it's like a 10 to 14 day incubation period. Right. So what we're seeing right now is the results of two weeks ago. And so, and everything has gotten even more open over the last two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, we're lagging behind. And of course there was the recent, just today, Donald Trump was tweeting about how he purposefully, like he had his rally in Tulsa and that's not really something we're going to talk in the news about. Well, so I guess we can talk about it now, sure. but he had his rally, which was funny because the K-pop fans like, bought all the tickets i don't know if yeah you, i did hear or, about you know, that he thought it was whatever. gonna be like this big event and luckily only like six to seven thousand people showed up which still six to seven thousand people in the middle of a pandemic not great it's guys too many but not a hundred thousand which i think is what they were hoping for right but it was yeah all the teen tiktokers and k-pop fans that you know fooled them or something so good on them great uh, prank guys really yeah. good hack really appreciate that yeah. but uh like during the rally he said that you know he had basically told people to stop testing because it was making our numbers go up and then in the immediate aftermath all of his spokespeople were like he was kidding it was a joke today he clarified no it wasn't a joke he definitely told people not to test because when we test we just find more people with it so better to be ignorant i guess uh you know he's blaming the testing for (laughs) what god damn it uh that's our president and uh, he is currently the president listen, of the United States. I, but it, yeah, he basically clarified that, no, he was serious that he wanted to purposely slow down testing so that our numbers appeared lower than they actually are. Um, and our numbers, by the way, are the highest in the world. Everyone else is laughing at us. Um, yeah, aren't they always? Yeah, but more so than ever because we, we're the only... Well, the, we're not the only country that can't seem to get this right. The other countries that can't seem to get this right are Brazil and their tin pot dictator... And Turkey and their tin pot dictator. Well, who knows what's going on in Russia because that's all about Well, and Russia also is bad. Russia is also bad. So those four, those three countries in the U.S., I wonder what they have in common. I can't quite. Can't think of it. Does Putin know, Donald? I've never heard of him. I (laughs) don't think they know. Yeah. Regardless, we're going to get into a great COVID-19 stories next. Uh, so let's just get into it. Let's okay. do the news. All there right. Story number one, Karen. Great, As we mentioned, COVID-19 cases are surging in the U.S. Globally, confirmed cases have passed 9 million people. Uh, the U.S. numbers for the dead have passed the number of people who died in World War One, And half of those that died in World War One died from the 1918 influenza. Just so, you, just so <laughs> great. Uh, we're clear. Great. But uh, yeah, like 60,000 of the 100,000 dead in World War One of Americans mm-hmm. died because they had the flu. So, you know, history just repeats itself again. It's very <laughs> yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, infections this week have risen in more than 29 states. Uh, this is, of course, because we have apparently decided to just be done with COVID-19. Listen, I am uh, done with it, too. Yeah, and, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott has said that his state will, quote, remain open for business despite an average of over 3,000 people being admitted to hospitals daily. 
uh, because of the Rona. Great. That's kind of the basic overall story, but we have more specifics, more terrible specific stuff about Corona. Okay, let's get more specific. Yeah, remember a couple months ago when we uh, we mentioned a story about the disastrous potential Corona could have on indigenous populations in the Amazon? Yes. So a couple of months ago, we brought up the fact, you know, kind of isolated uh, tribes of indigenous people living in the Amazon rainforest are particularly susceptible to a disease like Corona, which spreads rapidly in small groups. They live in multi-generational homes. They're often very far away from, you know, uh, treatment centers or hospitals. It's just not a great situation. And they're already super susceptible to infections because they've had very little contact with the outside world. Mm -hmm. Well, that has moved from potential disaster to currently devastating crisis. Brazil has the second largest outbreak in the world behind USA. USA. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. And it has reported over nearly 1 million cases and more than 47,000 related deaths, according to the John Hopkins Virus Dashboard. But while the mortality rate is about 6.4% for the total Brazilian population, the number rises, it doubles to 12.6% among the indigenous population. Mm. Uh, the Arara people, A-R-A-R-A, -A -A, indigenous tribe in the Cachoeira Seca territory, and they have been particularly hard hit, with 46% of their 121 people uh, living in the reserve infected. Yikes. So, like, half of the people have got COVID-19. At a certain point, if you have half, you're going to have 100%, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, this village was uh, originally contacted in 1987. So, they have wow. very little contact with the outside world. And because of that, they're, you know, they don't have built-up immunities to anything. And so, they're very susceptible to this. Uh, it's located three days away from the city and the nearest hospital. So even if someone gets sick and, like, could be put on a respirator and maybe survive, it's going to take they three aren't. days to get them. You know, they're just not. And so, yeah, it's just crazy. Between January 2019 to March 2020, the Amazonian land where the Aurora people and other indigenous groups live have lost more than 8,000 head acres of forest because of illegal invaders and loggers. And those are the ones that are bringing it in. Like, a lot of people are like, if these people are so isolated, if they're three days away from a city, how are they even getting COVID-19? And the answer is illegal loggers are going into the forest, cutting down the forest, and that's what's bringing the diseases out there. And so it's one of the most, yeah, it's just a terrible situation going on for the indigenous in Brazil. Uh, and as we'll get to later, indigenous elsewhere. Well, I mean, that's the theme, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, this, is, uh, this is an ongoing theme today, Corinne. You're going you're gonna to hear about it some more. Because uh, we're going to move on to an indigenous group in the United States, which is currently the most impacted group uh, in the United States. And that's the Navajo Nation. Okay. So as of June 14th, 6,611 cases have been confirmed on the Navajo Nation. More than 300 people have died after contacting the virus as well, which is a toll higher than 15 other states. Uh, the Navajo Nation is the largest reservation in the United States. Uh, it is in both size and population. More than 173,000 people live within its borders in pockets and communities spread across the deserts and canyons of Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. If it were a state, the nation would be larger than 10 other states. So it's this huge area of land that we kind of forget about living there, but it's some of the most impacted places by COVID-19 in the United States, which, of course, as we've said a few times today, the most impacted country on the face of the planet. Uh, as coronavirus has swept through the reservation, it has underscored many of the already existing social and economic inequalities that continue to affect the tribe, uh, all contributing to one another and making the outbreak worse. 
The reservation's unemployment rate is approximately 40%, and similar numbers live below the poverty line, earning less than $12,000 a year. So hold on, 40% of them uh, have no job, and then the additional additional 40 40 that do have jobs are in poverty? Or live below the poverty line, yeah. So that's 80% of people. I don't know know if there's double dipping. Or those two numbers overlapping. I don't want to say that they aren't, but... It's. Uh, I know that every year when they list the zip codes for like some of the poorest counties or zip codes in the country, the Navajo Nation has some of the highest ones, and the Sioux Nation and the Dakotas also have some of the highest, the poorest zip codes in America. And that's not incidental. Yeah, it's terrible. So poverty is a huge issue on the reservations. Uh, these factors, of course, exaggerate health problems all among the Navajo, and a third of the population suffers from diabetes heart conditions, and lung disease. Which are, make the conditions for COVID even worse. Yeah, and the Navajo na- Nation also has a special uh, little problem, which is that many people fall ill after years of radiation exposure oh, because of the sakes. hundreds of abandoned uranium mines dotted around the desert. Utah. <laughs> Utah just so kind of did a lot of uranium U- stuff. Utah, all of it. I mean, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, all out there in the desert. They went dug for uranium and then didn't have to, like, clean up anything. So they just have these piles of slag that are, you know, <laughs> leaching poison into the people. Just, you know, just out there. It's just terrible. Uh, severely limited access to healthy food also plays a role. Here you go. The Navajo Nation spans 71,000 square kilometers, which is 27,413 square miles, but has only 13 grocery stores. That's food deserts, they call them, right? That's both a food desert and a literal desert. Yeah. Forcing many residents to drive for hours to towns outside of the reservation with better facilities. Uh, It is common for people from different households to travel in one vehicle during these excursions because they are unable to afford the gasoline it takes to make a... If you have to make a three-hour round trip to get food and you're living in poverty... You're going to do it with your neighbor. Yeah, right? And so that further heightens the risk of contacting coronavirus. We're going to talk about water a little later today, Mm -hmm. but another uh, contributing factor, one-third of households on the Navajo Nation do not have running water. Flint, Michigan also doesn't have water. Yeah, we're going to get to Flint. Don't (laughs) you worry. That's on the list of news we're getting to. What year is this? Six? (laughs) This is six years. Yeah. It's been six years, and Flint, Michigan still does not have clean water. Is it six years? Yes. Okay. I... Hey, I knew the number. You knew it, yeah. Uh, relief efforts have been hampered by limited health care uh, resources as well. The reservation's dozen medical facilities hold just 200 hospital beds. Remember, 173,000 people on the reservation, 200 hospital beds. Approximately one bed for every 900 residents and a third the national rate. Uh, in the midst of all of this, however, we do see, this is a bit of positive news. So this is a the good silver lining to the story mm, I'm going to get I'm to I'm giving here. Derek the squinty yeah. eyes. Uh, we do see tremendous local relief efforts. Uh, not only are tribal members organizing mutual aid in support of one another, but more than $5.1 million has been raised for the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund, which was a crowdfunding campaign started by former Navajo Attorney General Ethel Branch. Uh, in an unusual twist in our good news segment here, over seventy or yeah, over seven hundred thousand dollars has come from donors in Ireland. What the uh, yeah, many of them are doing this to pay respect for the Choctaw people who, in eighteen forty-seven, donated one hundred seventy dollars toward relief of uh, efforts in Ireland for the Great Hunger. They, so okay. Ireland was going through the potato famine, yeah. and the Choctaw Nation donated one hundred seventy dollars, which is about five thousand dollars today's money. 
And they did this like 20 years after the Choctaw Nation had been forcibly removed from their ancestral lands through the Trail of Tears and were living, you know, on the reservation in Oklahoma. But they heard about the Irish potato famine and they donated money. And so the Irish are paying it back. So How do the Irish even remember this? Because this is generations Seven generations, (laughs) yeah. But no, a lot of people, so like on the like crowdfunding websites or whatever, you, you, it's like you look at the names of the people that are donated and it's all O'Callaghan's and, you know, Irish. something or other. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to be racist towards the Irish a little bit. I think but I'm no. allowed to be on my Irish. Sure. But no, we're giving them credit because they're 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 mo- making comments like you know the Ireland remembers, and there's also a, f- a fact that Ireland has you know a, tr- a very you know strong kind of history of anti-colonialism because Ireland was a colony for a long time, and so they can recognize in their own history uh, the the same history of colonization that the Navajo people and the Choctaw people have experienced in America. And so they, you know, see some sort of, you know, solidarity, which is good. So, hey, they've donated $700,000 at least to the relief efforts on the campaign. And they're paying it back for, you know, historical, you know, solidarity from the Choctaw people. So it's been good. That's a good thing, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. We can't say something bad about I'm that. I'm ready for some real good news. A little switch away. Do I? I mean, I, we're two pages in, right? <laughs> yeah, we're two pages in. Give me give me something good here. All right. You want something good? Let me see Just what I got. It's a palate cleanser at the very freaking least. <laughs> that one wasn't bad, though. It's a good kind of silver lining. It's the good kind of silver lining that makes you want to cry. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> Not the good, good stuff. All right. Let's go with uh, the critically endangered smoky mouse has been discovered alive and well in the... Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to butcher this one. Koskizuko. K-O-S-C-I-U-S-Z-K-O. Let me see it. Give it over. (laughs) Give it a got it. Koskizuko. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) National Park. After it was feared the native species had been wiped from the area during summer brush fires. I'm sorry, where is this? This is in New South Wales in Australia. Back to Australia. Uh, Motion sensor cameras set up over the last five weeks have recorded images of the mouse at seven burnt-out sites. So, of course, we talked about all the brush fires that ravaged Australia this year. And so this native mouse, which is already, you know, under threat of extinction, uh, you know, most of its habitat was destroyed. Was it called the Smoky Mouse? Did I make that up? Endangered Smoky Mouse, yeah. Why is it called Smoky Mouse? I think because it's like a smoky gray, like a slate gray. Okay. I don't know. Just the name. Smoky Mouse. Uh, over the summer, there was concern that the species uh, might have died, you know, completely after nine mice, which were being held 50 kilometers from the nearest brush fire, died because they inhaled too much smoke. Ugh. So they thought, like, all the mi- if these mice are dying so far away, the mice that are actually in it. No way. Right? And they live in this, this the very isolated area, and so they thought maybe they're gone for good. They were already problems. But apparently they've survived, which is good. That's good news, right? Amazing animals. Yeah. Uh, future plans to reintroduce the mice back to the wild to po- uh, to boost the population have been going on. The other big thing that's been killing them is feral cats, of course. I thought we were in the positives. But they're, they're coming back. They have a, <laughs> a captive breeding pro- program that has bred 47 mice to maturity in the last couple of years. 47? you got to take your good news where you can get it, Corinne. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is extinct. <laughs> we thought it was gone. It's not gone. What do you want from me? It's extinct. It's not. It's not extinct yet. It's back. We thought it was gone. It's back. If it has 47, is it not extinct? Not yet. To have zero to be extinct? Yes, that's what extinction means. Zero. I know, but aren't you essentially extinct with 47? That's just the ones that they've bred. They're still the wild ones. Uh, Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Great. Just let it wash over you as good news. Why are you nitpicking it? Why do I have to be the positive one? That's not my job. This isn't being positive. All right. (laughs) 
Moving on from COVID-19, Corinne. Great, I'm over it. Yeah, we're back to stories about water. Good. Um, Lots of water, I hope, for poor yeah. people. Yeah, so this week, I don't know if you saw, probably not, but I read the UK newspaper The Guardian on their website. They have been doing a, running a series of articles exploring the U.S. water crisis. Oh, they are. Yeah, uh, and the highlights are a bit sobering, so we're going to hit some of those. Yeah. Analysis of major U.S. cities shows that the combined price of water and sewage increased by an average of 80% between 2010 and 2018. The highest increase was a staggering 170, or 154% in Austin, Texas, uh, where average annual bill rose from $566 in 2010 to $1,437. Hold on a second. People are paying $500 a month for water No, in people are paying $1,435 a year. I mean, in year, 2008. No, in 2018. Yeah. Uh, well, the number I was using was the older number, but yeah. they were paying $500 to $1,000. $566 a year. A year. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I thought it was a month. I was like, good God. Still, for what is essentially a human right, right. Uh, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, despite, of course, in Austin, mitigation efforts actually led to reduced water usage over that time. They're paying... Pay more for less. 150% more, yeah. Uh, part of the reason for the staggering increase is that federal aid to public, public water utilities, which serve around 87% of the people, have plummeted. Meanwhile, costs for things like maintenance, environmental and health threats, climate shocks, and other expenditures have skyrocketed. Right. Uh, Houston, of course, during that time has had multiple Oof. hurricanes, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm sure has been just perfectly great for the infrastructure of their mm -hmm. water supply. Mm -hmm. uh, this, of course, means the utilities pass that cost on to the consumers. Always. You know, capitalism. For profit. Yep. Uh, but in least one sense, those that are paying thousands a year for basic human rights can consider themselves lucky because many places in this country, the very concept of clean drinking water is a Wait pipe a second. Drink. Wait a second. I think I know where you're going with this one. Right? Hey, we're going to mention Flint here in a there little bit. There we go. Uh, but we got other places to talk about okay, as well. Fine. Yeah. The American Society of Civil Engineers give our drinking water infrastructure a D grade and our wastewater infrastructure a D plus. Uh, the EPA estimates that raw sewage overflows at least 23,000 times a year. That's a lot of times yeah. for poop. Up to 1.7 million Americans lack access to basic plumbing facilities such as a toilet, tub, or shower, and basic running water. Although 200,000 households have absolutely no wastewater system. Yikes. Up to 10 million homes across America get water through lead pipes. And it, of course, should be mentioned that six years since the start of its crisis, Flint still does not have clean drinking water. And they're paying for it. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, in Denmark, South Carolina, families are forced to travel 20 miles each month in order to collect clean drinking water. Nearly 12,000 Californians ran out of uh, water during the 2011-2017 drought. Uh, and because individual wells are private property, residents were ineligible for most government aid programs that would have helped repair them. Uh, but this is America, so I'm sure this crisis, which of course mostly impacts poor, marginalized, and people of color, will be a top priority for the Trump administration. Well, we know he cares. Yeah, of course. Do we have another palate cleanser? Dear God. You're going to run out. We got a lot of How news. How many more pages of news? We have to read all the news. <laughs> we're gonna go, that's all we're doing today, Corinne. It's a news cleanup. How long is this episode? I can't do this. <laughs> I need to s I'm practically done with my soda. <laughs> all right. You want some good news again? No. You sure? Yeah. All right. We're going to move on. I know on I'm going to run through it too quick. All right. We're going to go north now to Canada where there's a different sort of water problem going on. This one is also, though, imperiling even more indigenous people. Great. Yep, this is a running theme today. Well, the Canadians, much like us, are terrible to their native people. Exactly. Uh, this one, though, is our fault. Oh. 
impressive. We'll get to it. it, it really we, just our it reaches are. So in Canada, in the far north of Canada, a recent boom in building hydroelectric dams is having a disastrous impact on the indigenous populations. The insatiable demand for clean energy in the U.S. is inadvertently causing long-term environmental damage to the traditional hunting grounds on the public lands. Hmm. So, though it has just 37 million people, Canada lags behind only China as the world's hydroelectric superpower. So, it produces more hydroelectric energy than everybody but China. The glut of dam building that's happened over the last 10 years isn't even for domestic use. It's all for export to America. Okay. Recently, states like Minnesota, California, New York, Washington, Rhode Island, all passed legislation saying that we will be getting 100% of our energy from renewable resources here real soon, I right? don't understand how they're taking this power generated by water and somehow sending it to us. Through I'm too stupid. very, very long transmission lines. In fact, uh, that's another problem. States like New York and Maine have proposed building these massive new transmission lines that cut through the forest to get to uh, Canada. I'm too stupid for this level of thing. It's just a line of, it's just all the electrical poles all the way down, as long as there's a connection of... Yeah, but that seems crazy. It is a little crazy, but here's the thing. So when California passes a law saying we're going to get 100% of our energy from renewables. They find renewables, the easiest way to do it. There's n but they make no plans for actually, you know, meeting that need. Because California needs shit tons of energy. The only place they can get it is from somewhere else. It seems like the green energy is actually worse than coal. Don't. <laughs> do, uh, do I have to agree with Donald Trump now? Uh, no. But you're going to be ostracized like Michael Moore for his uh, recent... Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> but uh, either way, so all these states pass these rule regulations saying we're going to get green energy, but they make no plans to do it. So the easy answer is buy it from Canada. Well, uh, in Canada, however, so the Nuna Tavisit government, which governs 2,700 Inuit in the area of uh, Labrador, which is like northeast Canada, point out that all of these dams disrupt the hydrologic cycle, which underpins the ecosystem, right? Uh, and uh, the creation of dams also dramatically increases exposure to a toxin associated with uh, building dams. Mm. So when land is flooded behind a dam to build the reservoir, uh, naturally occurring mercury is unlocked in the soil and in the vegetation, and it enters the water column, right? And so that water, the mercury is then picked up by bacteria, and it bioaccumulates. So as things eat the bacteria and things eat those things, it they eventually ends up it. higher. Well, it, it accumulates. It doesn't ex you know, get out, so it gets more and more concentrated the higher up the food chain it gets. Mm -hmm. So when it gets to things like water birds or seals or fish, the things that people eat, it's very concentrated and toxic for people. And so these Inuit people who rely on traditional hunting methods to supplement their food sources all year, if they can no longer eat the seals because of the high levels of mercury, their traditional way of life is imperiled or they might have to leave the, their native lands and things like this. So it creates this real problem. Um, and we already see it. So this area already, a 2016 survey found that of 22 planned future hydropower projects in Canada, all 22 were within 60 miles of at least one indigenous community. I'm ready for my good news now. And the Inuit of Labrador already have higher concentrations of methylmercury in their bodies than non-indigenous Canadians. And so more major dams just is creating an existential threat to their way of life. So, yeah, you want some good news? There is a that's so many yeah, I've been putting them behind it. No, you haven't. Uh, I mean, you have another pile. No, don't worry about there, this pile. There's like 10 more pages. Yeah, but they're not full. <laughs> This is too many. You ready for some good news? Uh, I got good news about the pangolin. Remember the pangolin? The no. Cute... Yeah, we're going to get into it. 
right, the adorable little cross between like a dragon and a teddy bear that we all thought gave us COVID-19, but turns out probably didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the world's most trafficked animal, which is the pangolin, has been thrown a lifeline by the Chinese government, which has granted pangolins the highest form of protection and removed their body parts from a list of ingredients approved for traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. So basically, the biggest loophole in like smuggling and murdering these pangolins was that you would they would be uh, essentially used for medicine in China. Mm-hmm. Well, China says, no, can't do that, can't make medicine out of them anymore. So it's now at least illegal to do it. I mean, I'm sure that some of it will still happen, but it's a huge loophole that's been closed, and it should be very good for the pangolins. Okay. I'm going to need two good noses. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> hold on one second. Corinne, you remember the young woman who was shot in the head by the Taliban eight years ago? Malala Yousafzai. Malala Yousafzai, yeah. Yeah. She uh, has graduated from Oxford University. Yeah, because she's brilliant. Yeah, of course. She's the youngest Nobel Prize winner ever. Uh, she shared a photo of herself smothering cake as she celebrated her philosophy, politics, and economics degree from Oxford University in Britain. I mean, she's pretty amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> like, was she was shot when she was 13? Something like that, I yeah. I believe for just pushing for women, uh, girls, yeah, children. Yeah, just being a brilliant woman. Yeah, uh, in, a child, child. Yeah. And they shot her in the head. Three times, I think. And she fucking still lived not like, only lives like graduated from oxford it. yeah i mean she's she's doing the best middle finger i think possible she's really s- smart and <sighs> okay fine yeah. we'll take that as the good news that's some good news that's good news is the taliban gonna try and shoot her again uh you know i don't know all right Crane. if you thought we were done with environmental racism stories you clearly don't listen to this podcast enough. I don't. <laughs> We're going to stay in Wish Canada. Wish I could listen less. Yeah. And we've got a different water problem in Canada. Oh. <laughs> Eric, one, one problem per We're going to limit it to one Canadian water problem yes, per episode. Yes, please. No, after this one. After. <laughs> Derek. Okay. You cannot have more than one problem in a country besides America in this podcast. All right. After today. Like I said, today is today. today is our terrible news. Just rip the Band-Aid off. Get it all out of there. We've been building it up for months. Yeah. What's that goofy movie song? I wish today was the day after today. <laughs> <laughs> New research by scientists at the University of Regina Institute for Environmental Change and Society shows that global warming is increasing levels of toxic algae detrimental to human health. Surprising nobody who actually thinks about it for like a minute. Uh, Our decades-long project establishes that global warming is increasing toxin levels in prairie lakes, says Dr. Peter Levette, a Canadian research chair. So here's the environmental racism aspect. Among the lakes affected are Pasqua and Crooked Lakes, which border the Pasqua and Cowessess First Nations, respectively. So it works like this. Urban growth and intensive agriculture increases pollution of fresh waters with nutrients from fertilizer, right? Like all the nitrogen that they put on the ground mm-hmm. essentially gets, you know, ru- you know, washed off and ends up in the waters, which yeah. accumulates in the lakes. That nitrogen causes bacteria to grow, algae, which is like a water plant. Mm-hmm. It blooms in the lake, right? But that algae then releases a potent waterborne toxin. So you get these super blooms of algae, like the ones that occur off the, you know, yeah. Same thing that happens off the Mississippi, right? All that, you know, fertilizer that gets dumped out in the Gulf of Mexico, it's happening on a smaller scale in the lakes in Canada. The thing that causes these plant the algae to grow is the temperature. So the warmer temperature. Previously, I've the fact cool that Canada before. is cold 
has kind of kept the toxins down, but as it warms up, the toxins can grow more, mm. right? So that's how climate change factors into it. Uh, but Dr. Levitt did have some relative good news, uh, if at least by good news you mean comparatively from the Canadian point of view. Uh, so he was looking for silver lining. He stated, quote, toxin levels in the Canadian prairies were actually quite a bit lower than the U.S. Great Plains. Thank you. <laughs> so great for Canada's prairies. That I guess. was his silver lining. <laughs> well, he's from Canada. He's, you know, make, make Canada great again. Canada, <laughs> Canada is great. His, his lakes were better than the U.S. Great Plains. So if you live in the Great Plains, sorry, that, that's not as good uh, news. But good news if you live in the Canadian prairie. Nobody in the Canadian prairie listening to us. I, well, actually, there's probably more people in Australia that listen to us than Canada, Well, because we mention them so often. Well, we're trying to get into that Canadian market. <laughs> listen, if you wanted maybe to some offer maple syrup us can, a uh, home in Canada, <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to go. That's true. Even though you're awful, you're just not quite as awful as the U.S. We do talk a lot on this podcast in the past about how uh, disasters are often exploited by those in power to push their agenda forward, right? Like, this is the shock doctrine. We talk about it pretty much all the time, right? Yes. So we've got a couple of examples of that. One example. Two examples. One example. Two. One. Two. How many do you have there? Two. (laughs) That is not a compromise. It's a compromise. Zero. Zero. Four. Oh, I could could get more. I I limited it. Do this. (laughs) He has so many pages. I need to take a picture of this. When you know (laughs) how many pages. This is. I've never seen so much news. This is more news than we've ever done. This is the news roundup. I can't take it. You're going to be fine. You're going to have to make some cuts. You're going to be fine. No, I'm not. All right. On June 1st, in the midst of the turmoil created by the coronavirus pandemic and the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, California Governor Gavin Newsom's administration quietly issued 12 fracking permits to Aria Energy, A-E-R-A, Energy, a joint venture owned by ExxonMobil and Shell. The fracking permits are the latest example of California's oil industry benefiting from regulatory or deregulatory action during the pandemic. Uh, Area Energy received 24 permits from the California uh, uh, Geologic Energy Management Division on April 3rd during the early days of the pandemic. What the frack? Yeah, literally. Uh, Oil drilling in California has faced criticism for its disproportionately negative health impacts on Latino communities and other people of color. Uh, All 12 of the new permits for the fracking uh, are going to be in the Lost Hills oil field uh, of Kern County. Uh, the town of Lost Hills is more than 97% Latino, according to the 2010 census. Infrared camera footage from 2014 taken by advocacy group Earthworks showed that the Lost Hills field emits prolific amounts of toxic chemicals into the air, including methane, acetone, and acetylhydes. Uh, acetylhydes. I don't know. It's a long word. High levels of isoprene and acetylhydes can cause cancer. Uh, while other substances can result in serious health damages, including heartbeat irregularities, headaches, nausea, vomiting, throat irritation, coughing, and wheezing. Derek, that was it. That was the one. You're going to want to talk about the other one because the next one's about abortion. Do I? You always want to talk about abortion. Women, that's all they talk about. <laughs> that's all they Shopping, periods, abortion. abortion. Right? Great. We have another example of people taking advantage of the pandemic <laughs> to pass terrible laws. Uh, the six-week abortion ban? Yes. Yeah. Republicans in Tennessee have voted to ban abortion as early as six weeks after conception. And a surprise... people don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Yes. The vote, which was held at midnight in the middle of a pandemic without members of the public present. Uh, the ban beginning at six weeks, which, as you said, is before most women even know that they're pregnant, is blatantly unconstitutional and will almost certainly be blocked in the courts before it gets those into force. 
doesn't stop it from, you know, being Putting passed. Putting an effect and, on yeah. right now. The bill was not listed on the state's calendar, and the vote took place and in the state capitol, which is closed to the public because of the pandemic. So the only people allowed in were the... A bunch of angry white men. Yes. Yeah. Uh, surprising nobody. The bill is almost certain to pass into law as it was actually proposed by the state's governor, who would then approve it. And it comes just days before the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to make its own ruling on abortion in the most anticipated case in decades. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You don't want to talk about it anymore? Um, I went to a very radical feminist conference a few years back to which some very uh, horrible things were mentioned, which was they said, I am predicting that abortion will be illegal in America in the next 10 years. And I was like... That sounds terrible. I mean, they're going to chip away at it, but will it really? And now I'm thinking, maybe those super scary ladies were super right. Yeah. I've been thinking that, I should say. I mean, when and, and the, the law is terrible, and we don't need to get into the specifics, but it has all of the, it's like a top hits of the anti-abortion people. It has no exemption for rape or incest. It has, uh, you know, forces people to look at, you know, it's got the fetal heartbeat law or yeah. whatever. Yeah. We're like... Yeah, there might be a heartbeat, but there's literally no arteries and no heart to exist. It's just kind of a thumping. It's one of those things that people just sort of like to point as like, well, it's a whole human being. Okay, if it's a whole human being, let it be on its own outside of my body. Wait a second. Can't do that. Can't do that. Sure. Uh, the, the the law also, this is something that I didn't, I think, guess maybe other ones do this as well. I don't, I don't have enough information, but, uh, it's sequential according to the Tennessee and the newspaper. So if the court strikes down the provision banning abortions at six weeks, the bill will automatically be instituted at 10 weeks and then 12 and then 15 and then 18. Nice. So like, it just keeps going back until they eventually uphold it. Let's abort um, all old white men. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And of course, I mean, just thinking about this law made me think about just how bad it must be for women who are trying to seek abortion during the pandemic, oh right? Oh my God. Um, I know that many states have tried to use the lockdown to claim that abortion centers are non-essential and restrict access. Uh, and of course, pregnancy has got a, a timestamp on it, right? Abortion right. has, you know, you have to get it done in a certain period of time. So if they can just make it harder, throw even more hurdles on you to get there, you know, it just another huge problem the the lockdown has created and anecdotal evidence is actually suggesting that at the same time that people are trying to make it even harder to get abortions during this pandemic more people are actually seeking them out mm -hmm. um, a clinic in wichita kansas reported an almost threefold increase in patients seeking abortion during the pandemic well if you don't think that there's like horrible things happening at home for people who are stranded because of the quarantine you've got to be kidding yourself. sure i think we talked about it a couple months ago how you know well we know that in disasters of course like rates of spousal abuse or domestic partner abuse go up uh rates of you know violence against women go up i mean that's such a standard response to disasters that like the red cross trains people to look for it when they go into disaster zones yeah. around the world and so that's happening. And of course, this pandemic has led to millions, 50 million people losing their jobs or income. We're in the middle of, you know, a huge cultural moment when it comes to, you know, race relations in this country. We have Donald Trump, you know, turning this country into a fascist nightmare. We have all these things happening that are a lot of reasons why somebody might have some uncertainty about bringing a child into the world right now. Well, and a lot of times, I hate to say it, but uh, other things get put ahead of women all the time. Sure. Women are always called to support the men of their group ahead of 
of the woman's needs. So, you know, sure, people in the black community will rally around things like George Floyd and police brutality, which mainly affects black men as opposed to black women, and they're supposed to immediately support them, which is great. However, you don't get that same support in response for women. They aren't getting that same because it's the same men that they're hoping to help that men are the group of people that are doing this to women, and women will fall in line to stand behind the men in their issues but the reverse doesn't happen sure i mean it isn't you know incidental that brianna taylor who was killed by police at the same time that george floyd was her killers are still out there like they have not been arrested some might say possibly as if i'm you know defending that would be there's not video evidence of it right but you know you can't see her begging for her sure life but she's on not the, the only one like, certainly not yeah. and brianna brianna taylor was you know brutally murdered in her home in bed while sleeping and then they tried to blame her boyfriend for it so uh pretty horrific yeah yeah we'll skip the next story then how about that thank you uh the next story was going to be about how don't uh, even tell me about it all right let's skip it (laughs) don't tell me about it if you're gonna skip it don't give me the bad news all right we'll move on to one nice short north. okay 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 i'm feeling better all right, we've got one more bad news, and then we've got kind of uh, nonsense. Good. Okay, I can do this. All right, you good? Mm-hmm. All right, so the last bad news is probably the story most people have heard about this week. It happens in your favorite place in the world, Corinne. Oh, my God. They're Florida? Russia. Oh, yeah, sorry. In the world, you In the said. world, yeah. <laughs> Russia. Many people, I'm sure, saw the shocking headline this week. Uh, but to recap, temperatures in the small Siberian town of Verkoyansk, V-E-R, K-Y-O-Y-A-N-S-K. They just throw up a bunch of consonants and go, that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even trying. Uh, Verkoyan-esque? I don't know. It's in the Arctic Circle. Normally, it's one of the coldest places on Earth, as one might imagine, Mm -hmm. being in Siberia. Uh, it reached 104 degrees, or 100.4 degrees, rather, on Saturday, We're talk- which is the <laughs> highest temperature ever recorded in Siberia and north of the Arctic Circle. Interesting. Uh, so anyone playing along at home won't need to be reminded that the unprecedented high temperatures last year and this summer in Siberia and northern Canada have ignited numerous wildfires. So we mentioned this uh, as the wildfires were going through last summer, and I'm sure it will happen again this year. The region, which normally has no fires because the ground is permanently frozen, you know, permafrost, mm-hmm. uh, is melting. And so that ground, which normally just can't be lit on fire, it's is, lighting on, is fire. lighting on fire. And beca- And because it's never lit on fire before, there's like no fire support system like in the california you know sierra nevada fire is part of the ecosystem Mm -hmm. and so firefighters are prepared there's fire towers everywhere there's enough fire troops generally to handle the summer fire load but like in the arctic circle there isn't (laughs) so even like in high northern canada they just didn't have people up there not nearly enough to deal with the massive amount of fires that they were having this past year or two and that's only going to get worse Uh, And it's, of course, a terrible sign when it's hotter in Siberia than it is in Miami, Florida. 100.4 degrees in Siberia this week. I was about to ask, is is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? Like, Celsius would be worse. That'd be worse. Yeah, that would be, like, unlivable. (laughs) Yeah. But... Yeah. Yep. So good times. Good times. You can get out out there, get some... uh, Maybe learn some lessons, Russia. I don't know. What lesson? I don't know. Stop being so Russian. Stop being so Russian. (laughs) Quit with your Russian-ness. Fair enough. All right. And, of course, all this heating up is causing another round of people trying stupid shit to mitigate the disastrous effects of burning fossil fuels without, you know, actually stopping the burning Throwing of fossil fuels. Throwing up a fuels. bunch of dirt in the air? Similar. This okay. one is a little bit more low-tech. 
Uh, this one Lo- takes place more low tech than throwing dirt in the atmosphere. Yeah, it's okay. So this lower one, tech. Yes, this one takes place in Italy, and I was reading about it this week. Italy. Uh, it's less like Elon Musk super villainy style, like geoengineering, and more like a high tech ver- or a you know a high impact version of like covering it with newspaper and forgetting about it. Okay. So a crackerjack team of ski resort owners and other people. Uh, are literally covering the surface of a rapidly melting glacier with giant white sheets in an effort to slow the melt of the glacier. Uh, so the science behind it is, you know, the same science behind putting a shade on your uh, window, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you're reflecting the sun before it gets to the object, thus preventing the heat from being absorbed into the snow. Sure. So it makes sense scientifically. Well, would we say that? <laughs> And then I was reading about it. It said that the area covered was 100,000 square meters. And I thought, that seems big. That's And then I plugged plugged it into a calculator. Yeah. And it was only about 0.04 square miles. And the only reason that they're saving it is a ski resort. They don't want to have to make their own snow. Basically. (laughs) Those jerks. But I just thought it was funny. put some sheets on it. Yeah, basically. That's what they were doing. So, you know, that ought to solve the problem. Just throw some sheets on it. They (laughs) nailed it real good. Uh, so that is our nonsense story to end uh, the news segment. That for. helped. That helped a little bit. I was <laughs> feeling it pretty bad there for a while. It was a lot of news. Like I said, well, we haven't done really any news for like five months. Because we've all had enough news. Well, we have to get back to it at some point. We I have to get it. off the couch and hard. stop eating candy all day and start running. And it's hard and it sinks and you sprain your ankle and you don't want to go out ever again. Did you really sprain your ankle? No, but you could. Someday soon. Some When I, when I start running again, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, hey. that is the news corinne i did it you did it All we right. did it we did it <laughs> Good job. back stronger are we yeah okay maybe just you know a little more jaded i don't know if that's possible but yeah <laughs> sure so uh what do we gotta uh we gotta say some stuff share subscribe like write a review oh we're done for the day we what, could... what the hell else are we talking about <laughs> those 10 hours of news yeah. what else do we got <laughs> That's 20 minutes of news. No, there isn't. This last session was 25 minutes. Okay, since we took a break. Yeah, we hadn't had more than like 15 minutes before that. Oh my god, it's been 100 hours. Alright, it has been a lot of news. And so I think that we'll just kind of leave it there for you, Corinne. Okay. Let you digest it. next week... uh, Next week we'll do more prepping. Okay. Like back to prepping. Better. Feeling better? You're trying to get me back next week, aren't you? Yeah, trying to get you to not quit. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fun. lot of other podcast options out there for you. <laughs> You're going to send an email to Greta. Be like, Greta, I have one year of podcast experience. Oh, I did have one other story. Okay. So I did want to bring this up, Corinne, because you know I'm not normally one to go in for conspiracies. Oh, okay. Right? But as I've mentioned on this podcast over the last couple of months, I am more and more and more compelled to believe the idea that donald trump is setting himself up to contest the election and not even if he loses to essentially not admit defeat and refuse to leave the white house oh for sure so again i don't like to get into conspiracies and what ifs well, it's not a conspiracy if it's just something you think he'll do sure it's something that i think and it does seem far out there but the, he sets the groundwork so much and just today he tweeted, and I think I had it written down here somewhere, quote, rigged election 2020, and, and then went on to talk about how the Democrats trying to get people to vote by mail is going to lead to millions of votes being put into our voting system by foreign powers and others. Oh, who he's are now concerned about foreign election. people interrupting our elections. 
That's ironic. It is a little ironic, but I don't think it matters. He's going to win fair and square. I mean, it's such a weird year. I don't know. I mean, I still, I think, still think that's true. But I also know that he, like, basically, he's admitted that the more people that vote, the less likely it is that he will win fair and square. Sure, but it's always the case with Republicans. It's always the case, which is why they've now not even given up any pretext. They're just trying to voter suppress everywhere they can. I mean, we had elections this week uh, in some of the, some states where they shut down polling places at the last minute and, like, so nobody could even get there. And again, in the yeah. middle of the pandemic, the less places, the more concentrated the people are. They're refusing to allow mail-in ballots. It's just crazy. Of course, the idea that foreign powers could print up millions of ballots uh, is a is, little is, ridiculous. It, it is laughable. There are rest- yeah, there are protections in place that prevent forged ballots. So the most likely scenario with mail-in ballots causing some sort of voter fraud is actually uh, disenfranchisement because people will get their mail-in ballots too late or not be able to not send them out in time to get counted. And so they actually lose their ability to vote rather than vote twice or vote fraudulently. Right. Um, there's really no evidence whatsoever that mail-in ballots would cause any sort of widespread fraud. And voter fraud in and of itself is just something that doesn't happen on any scale. Like all of these stories about vote frauds, it almost never happens on and any scale that matters. And it's typically found to be in the reverse, right? It's typically Republicans that are actually, because they're so afraid of Democrats doing it, that they try to get ahead of it. But even that, it's so rare. Right. It's like three people. Like, yeah. uh, I but mean, on it, top of all of this, Donald Trump has another st- stake in this. He hates the post office, which is weird, a weird place to pick a fight in because the post office is actually the most beloved American institution. And successful. He just keeps putting on horrible things like, well, you got to pay all of this shit up front that no other company has to do. Sure. The post office gets used and abused and it is so good. Yes. This is a pro post office. Uh, pro post office. I am going to go buy another sheet of stamps. I have already bought <laughs> two in the last month. Don't even need them. Listen, Christmas stamps are gorgeous. You remember that movie about the post-apocalyptic future starring Kevin Costner, the postman? No. Oh, I like he was, yeah, he was like a mail carrier and he decides to like restart America. I do have a soft spot for Kevin Costner as he was I think very that's what I'm gonna, nice to I'm Whitney I'm going to see if Houston. it's on Amazon or something. Okay. In, in the bodyguard, he was nice to Whitney Houston. No, in real life, he spoke at her funeral because oh. he would. He said Whitney Houston should be the star of the bodyguard, and they're like, "Well, isn't it gonna be kind of weird? Like she's black and you're white." And he was like, "She's the star. Doesn't matter what color she is. She's who else has a voice like Whitney?" And he like begged for her to be in this thing. They're like, "I don't know, man. This is black and white." And they're like, "No, no, no. She's it. It doesn't matter." Anyway, he spoke at her funeral, and I had a little soft spot for Kevin. That's good. I just randomly thought of that movie. We were talking about post-apocalyptic post America and the post office. I'm going to go see if it's on Amazon. I think that's what I'm going to do this evening. Great. Go watch that. Go buy another sheet of stamps from the post office. Do that, too. But All right, guys. That's our show for today, I think. No real prepping segment today. We'll get into it big time next week. Promise. <laughs> Uh, less news next week, unless something terrible happens. Oh, that never happens. <laughs> never. There's no chance of something no terrible happening. Uh, well, if you enjoyed this, uh, <laughs> this, lovely, this show, lovely show, all the uplifting news, uh, you know, liking, subscribing, sharing, write a review. Sure. If you guys have stories you want us to talk about, uh, if you have topics you want to hear from us, go for it. Uh, we've kind of reached a bit of an impasse when it comes to the prepping stuff because we kind of have to move on beyond like basics and move into a little more niche stuff. So if there's stuff you guys want to hear about, we do have some upcoming interviews we're going to try and get with some experts because we're not experts. And as we move beyond kind of the basics, it's going to be pretty obvious. So we want some smarter people on the show. 
Uh, but if you have any topics you want us to cover that we haven't or want us to recover or do something different, let us know. We are easy to reach uh, on our website. Uh, you can email us at heatinguppodcast at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter, uh, Heating Up Pod, or on Facebook, Heating Up Podcast. So, yeah, thanks, guys. We'll thanks talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.